You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith with On the Forecheck. We are ready to go. This is the show where we recap the Preds week, we talk hockey, we usually have a good time. This week will be a little tougher for a couple of the games. Uh, well, we try to analyze this, analyze that, debate terrible movies, that kind of thing, etc. A uh, little, little uh, bad movie reference there. Sean, what's going on, man? Ah, you know, not a lot. Just trying to cruise into the uh, Thanksgiving season here. I'm pretty excited to be joining you today. Hope everybody yeah. out there listening is ready for some uh, hardcore hockey talk. That's right. And, uh, you know, we, we normally have our shows normally drop on Sunday, as you can see from the graphic. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening on SoundCloud, you probably already know we usually drop uh, episodes on Sundays. But the holidays and there's been some other stuff going on, so we're, we're dropping it on a on on a on a Wednesday. We're, we're dropping it on a Wednesday morning uh, is when you're getting this, so uh, that's going to be fun. But um, regardless, we have a lot to talk about. There's been several things that have happened with the Predators. Um, some not so good. Some potentially good. We'll see what's going on uh, there. Uh, we got three games to recap for you, and then we'll we'll talk a lot about this Predators team. So. Um, once again, uh, if you do not have you not already checked it out, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, don't forget we do have a video version of the show. Go to the A to Z Sports uh, YouTube channel. Uh, all of the shows on A to Z Sports are there, including this one. Um, yeah, check it out. We uh, we do video on there, so uh, that should be a, just another fun way to do it. You can see our beautiful graphic uh, yeah. that we've created for this show. We try to make it uh, different every time. Decorate the place. Keep keep it looking fresh around here. You have to. Yeah. No, I like, no one likes a stale graphic. No, no, I like I like the throwback too. It takes me back to takes me back to the mid eighties. Makes me happy. There you go. So uh let's talk about this uh this last week. So we got three games to recap. Let's just jump right into it because I, I feel like these first two games we're gonna wanna just cover and then and then move on. But um Sean, you wanna take it away and let us know what happened in these uh the, the, the first two games of this past week? I would be glad to, Alex. Let's talk about Toronto. How's that sound? Uh, terrible, but go. Okay. Well, I hope you've got all the goal videos queued up. It's going to be an awesome time. But Tuesday <laughs> night, um, and when I say Tuesday night, I don't mean like the, the, the day before we released this, but like a week ago, Tuesday night, the Preds took on the Maple Leafs in Toronto for the first time in nearly three years. Both teams were coming into the match on hot streaks. Early play looked promising for the Predators. Philip Tomasino nearly scored on a backdoor goal on a cross-ice pass from Ryan Johansson, but was turned away by Jack Campbell. Of course, Austin Matthews eventually found the net in the first after taking advantage of a power play, and then things remained fairly close uh, most of the rest of the game, at least as far as the score goes. Nashville was drastically outshot by the Leafs, and the scoreboard only stayed the way it did. 
because of one man. And that man, of course, was UC Soros. Soros looked to be on top of his game and made a ton of impressive saves. Um, throughout the night, the second it looked like Matthews had scored again, but was eventually determined that the puck never crossed the goal line and it was overturned. It uh, took until deep into the third period for the Leafs to score again as David Camp got one by Soros on what UC uh, would later call a shitty goal. And eventually the Leafs scored <laughs> on the empty net. Final score, uh, three to nothing. Yeah, I forgot about that. He that did go with that. And it will, I agree entirely. I'm, I'm glad that he, he said that. I'm going to try to find that. I'm going to keep going. Go into Montreal. I'm going to try to find the video of him saying that because that was so it's good. a It's a long walk to Montreal, Alex. I don't know. If I can, if I can make you know it. what I mean. All right. I know what you mean. Okay, let's talk about Montreal. Of course, it was Saturday. Uh, remember that last week on Thursday, the Predators were supposed to play the Senators, but due to a lot of issues with COVID-19 up in Ottawa, they were unable to have that game. It got postponed. So the Predators had some extra time off, and one of the big questions was, would that extra time off be beneficial to them, or would it be harmful to them? Well, Saturday they had to deal with the Montreal Canadiens, and the Canadiens looked like a team in trouble coming into the game after a very, very rough start to the season and coming off of a nasty loss of 6 to nothing against the Penguins. However, it didn't take long before the Canadiens started pouring goals into the net behind UC Soros like maple syrup onto a stack of pancakes. It took five goals through the second period before the team pulled Soros and put Riddick in the net. And then, like some kind of miracle, Matt Duchesne was able to score a natural hat trick in the third period on the strength of two power play goals, followed by a third goal as Riddick headed to the bench. But it wasn't enough, and Montreal was able to put the nail in the coffin as Riddick headed to the bench once again to try to give the Preds a chance to score a fourth goal in an effort to come back. Rough night and rough loss for the Preds, and there was nothing to celebrate despite three in a row for Matt Duchesne. Uh, that, the Montreal game, uh, I had forgotten how bad it was. It was really awful. But then the um, – uh, the, 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 okay, so the, the Matt Duchesne hat trick is one of those that, like, sticks out to me as uh, one of the most – one of the most inconsequential, forgettable hat tricks. And I mean, look, not, not individual goal score. I mean, it was fine, <laughs> but it just was so impossible for them to come back yeah. down that, that deficit. It was like, I will, we'll, we'll remember that hat trick only because it was so meaningless. Right. The hat trick, the hat trick that meant nothing. I mean, yeah. And, and I was thinking after the second period, I was like, man, this, this is bad. Like nothing's going to save this at all. And then Duchesne lights it up and it's like, oh, well, maybe there's some life left. And I think that's what the positive thing I would take away from that was, was that in, in response to being down, someone stepped up and, and yeah, there's a hat trick. No, it wasn't enough. And no, I mean, hats weren't hitting the ice. It wasn't a huge celebration. And, and there's mm -hmm. no, uh, there's really no big victory in losing six to three, regardless of what kind of impressive personal achievement happens on the ice. But at least there was fight left in the team, and at least Duchesne strapped the team to his back and tried to drag him toward a win. And I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, take that. It, um, right. I, I, you know, when I when I saw that was happening, I, I was I was watching very little of that game. I mean, I watched some of it, but not all of it. And um, the w when I saw that Matt Duchesne was doing that, and, and well, when he scored the first goal or two. I was like, hmm, maybe there is something we can pull from this. Mm. But then I was just like, it would almost feel cheap, like it just just cheap uh, attention on this game that just ultimately really 
is just a one you burn and throw in the trash. And Toronto, Toronto's a little different. I mean, I feel like Toronto, if not for UC Soros, Toronto would have looked like Montreal, right? Yeah, they, I agree. It would have been bad. It would have been six nothing or or six one maybe. Uh, well, they they didn't score, so it would it would have been it would have been awful. Um, the the save that uh, that Soros made to uh, that they that they reviewed that that kind of bounced yeah. behind him was was incredible. That was really impressive. Uh, I went and found the clip of of Soros. I, I want to play this because mm. I I totally forgot about this. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, this is Soros after the Tuesday game, and uh, when I heard this, you know, we we, we get to we get to um, zoom into these uh, audio. It's it's really kind of nice now because we didn't used yeah. to be able to do this. We get to no. zoom into the audio on the road games. Uh, COVID was good for something, I guess, because yeah. that would not have happened if not for COVID. No. So they they've allowed us to do that, and so we can zoom in, we can have, ask questions if we want, and we can listen to them post game. So when he said this, I had to rewind it at least. I rewind it at least three times just to make sure that this is what he said. Listen closely; you'll hear what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good team, obviously, and uh, we. I think we will try to make an effort to uh, get back into the game, and obviously it was a kind of shitty goal on like the second one. So, but yeah, their goalie played well, well, and uh, just couldn't score tonight. Yep, the old shitty goal. <laughs> it's like yeah. he's our boy's growing up. That's what's important. Yeah, and it's they, not he around anymore. Up and and you know he didn't honestly seem. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to explain what happened there because he, he didn't seem um, sheepish or ashamed or anything like that. Which I'm not saying he should. I I, I don't cursing never bothers me. It, when people curse, it doesn't bother me. I I do it all the time. I'm not going to do it on this show. But it, you know, it doesn't. It's never been something that bothers bothers me. I know that it bothers other people. But like when he did that, I it was kind of funny that he just kind of uh, brushed it off. I and mean, maybe he still didn't didn't even realize that he did it. But it, it was really funny when it happened. But it, it was an apt description, and I, I don't think I don't think there's another word that could sum it up better than that one word. And I yeah, I'm fine with he, it. He was right. I mean, he was correct. Yeah. Exactly. If if you had if you had asked me, hey Sean, which player this season is going to drop the first swear word in, in an interview, would not have picked Soros. Yeah, and you know he doesn't. He's not a guy. Obviously, the the language barrier is tough, but he's also not a guy that really sees a lot of. Um, you don't see a lot of uh, aggression or or emotion really out of him. I mean. He's like Rene in that respect. I mean, eventually Rene, uh, uh, as his career went on, he did he would show emotion. He would show, um, you know, even on the ice. I mean, he would show some some like resentment or anger towards other people. But I I think uh, Soros is maybe getting there, and it's kind of funny. And it's also funny that you know his, you know, he's been tatted up for a while. Yeah, I don't know how long he's had those tattoos, but you could see his tattoos, and then he's like cursing in the video. I don't know. There's just something about it's like it's like you, you like you just said. He's growing up. He's he's reached this level. He's like one step away from joining a biker gang. It seems well, like he, it, what what I think he got the tattoo this summer. At least he got it in this offseason. Oh, I I think so, and I, it may have been earlier than that. But it's it's of his dog, I believe. Um, and Perfect. I want to say, yeah, I want to say it's a very nice tattoo. It's a nice uh, outdoor scene. It's it's I like it. Um, but but here's the thing. Pekka's back in Finland, and uh, 
when dad's away. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, dad left. So we got a tattoo. <laughs> he starts cussing on the mic. Pretty soon he's gonna be he's gonna be uh he's gonna join a gang. He's gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna wonder what UC Sor- what happened to UC Soros in a few years, and he's just gonna be like he's he's a different person now. Totally. It's, yeah. you know, that one word tells you everything. No, I think it's, <laughs> again, I go back yeah. to, I, I can't. Obviously think of... we're, we're, we're just joking around here. Give yeah. Him, yeah. I can't, down. I can't think of a better word for it though. I mean, that, that was, that's what yeah. that goal was plain and right. simple, but. Hey, um, the Montreal game. I mean, honestly, it was just a doubt. It was a, it was a disaster. Uh, I think everyone played pretty poorly. No, nothing really to learn there. You just, you just move on. And so that takes us to um, Monday night uh, because you want you really wanted to bounce back from that in the end of that road trip, and so they welcome in the Anaheim Ducks, and I'll, I'll go ahead and give us the recap here. So quack quack, the Ducks are back in Bridgestone Arena, the first time since January sixteenth, twenty twenty. Now I remember this was one of the last games that I was at before everything shut down. I mean, because like February, I think they had a big long road trip. There was a break in there. Um, and then they came back for a couple games and then that's when they shut down. So it, one of the last few games, and this was also, uh, if I remember, this was the last home game that, that Peter Laviolette coached. I believe that's accurate. Uh, I'll double check that, but I think it's the last one because I think he was fired, uh, the week before, or the, the, the week after that. Cause I think Pine's first game was the 20th. We'll double check that in a minute. I'll look it up. You want to look up. that up? I'll, 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 look I'll do up. this. But it's always a fun time when the Ducks and the Predators meet, and Monday was no exception. Nashville got on the board first when Ryan Johansson ripped a wrist shot by John Gibson off of a nice feed from Jakob Trennan in transition. That was a great play, 1-0 Preds. Anaheim ties it when Ricard Raquel rips a wrist shot by UC Soros. He's really good. He's been there a long time. He's just going to keep scoring goals, I'm pretty sure. Um the balance of the game kind of was shifting towards Anaheim a little bit, but then the best part of Nashville's attack, the power play, puts up the home, puts the home team up two to one. Mikhail Granlin picks his spot, doesn't miss. Then later, a lucky bounce off of two Preds defenders ties the game in the third. Um, but then Jakob Trinan does this. The race. Now he's got to come back and defend. Trinan. Again, just tenacious. Works it out of the zone. Keeps moving it forward. Trennan still chasing it. Trennan has it. Trennan scores! What a play! Wow, that was incredible. Jakob Trennan would not be denied uh, going, taking the puck from his own zone after the faceoff loss and uh, stealing it, stealing it again, pushing past the defense, ripping a wrister. Uh, puts the team up three to two with about eight minutes left. Then UC Soros and the defense hold Anaheim off the board, losing streak over. Preds win three to two. And, and I'm going to say, like after that goal, after Trennan's goal, uh, that was some of the most intense hockey I'd seen in a long time. And I, I'm really? talking like I thought. I mean, everything was on the line. You know, like you've, you've yeah. come off these two terrible games. You want to erase that. And, and then, I mean, the Preds were up two to one. I mean, the game was was kind of in hand until you have that that weird, you know, uh-huh. bumper goal off of, was it off of what, Yossi and Fabro? Yeah, or yeah. Something, I mean, why does that keep happening to the Predators? But it does. It never, it never happens 
for them against the other team. But it, it hadn't, you know, you, you take all of this momentum and then boom, you're tied because of just pure dumb luck. And and now it's we've got to do something about it. We're going to end up going into overtime and maybe coming away with one point, you know, if if we can't pull it out or maybe two. But, you know, you really want to just – you want to drop the hammer. You want to make sure that they're not going to get any points. And Trennan gets it done. And from that point on, like, all right, we're keeping this lead. No nonsense. We're not letting them score. And I, it just – it took me right back to the uh, to the Western Conference Finals. Um, yeah. I love it. It was good. It was a it was a great uh, a great game and uh, they they like you said they they needed to 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 win that one they needed oh, yeah. um, you know they had fought so hard to uh, to just to, to just make sure that they didn't respond like they they if they had come out and given up a couple goals uh, to Anaheim after the way the Toronto and Montreal game had gone you could see it turning into a really bad losing streak especially with some of the teams coming up that we'll talk yeah. about. But uh, they 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 got that first goal. Then yeah, obviously they get some bad luck to to get it tied late, and then uh, Jakob Trenin just puts puts the team on his back and uh, does that. It was pretty incredible. Um, thought it was interesting that the uh, they didn't give Trenin the, the first star, um, because well, I, so I, I think they're the, probably the reason is because I think Trenin is still he's still pretty. He's learning the language still. He's, he's probably not as comfortable. I mean, any other player probably would gets the first star, but now the first star, you know, at the home team, the home crowd, um, has to go out and do that little like mid ice interview. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was kind of odd. I, I I still feel like they could have given it to him and just ask him some really easy questions, but maybe someone on this Preds team said, uh, "Can you not have? <laughs> can you not have training go out there? He's he's nervous." Uh, it's, it's possible. Did you notice on the broadcast that it was Trenton was the first star? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that it could be different because, like, you know, the broadcast, he's talking to one person. It's just a camera. Uh, yeah. I assume. I, I didn't watch the rest of the broadcast if the game's over. But in the home in the, uh, the home arena, you know, in, in the arena, the, the first star comes out and does a little yeah. bench interview. Ryan Johansson did it last night. So he, he that's where he came out and said Nash Vegas and – Bunch of people got upset that he called it Nash Vegas because people don't like that, but whatever. Words are words, Alex. I, I say a bunch of people got upset. Like three people on Twitter got upset. That's what I mean. But sometimes three people can speak for a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't so, know. Doesn't bother uh, me. Whatever. Well, I want to go back to a second for, um, for, uh, for, for just one second to talk about the power play, and then we, we got a couple other things we want to cover as well. Um. I wrote about this at a to z sports, uh, com. You can go check that out. Uh, but this, all of a sudden the Nashville predators power play has become probably their, their strongest part of their attack. Getting on the power play for them is now finally a momentum boost because they're scoring goals. They're creating pressure. They're putting a lot, a ton of pressure on that defense, wearing them out. Uh, and they're, and they're getting results. I mean, they've, uh, they've scored 14 goal, 14 power play goals, and 49 chances, that's like a 27, 28% chance, sorry, 28% success rate. And uh, th they they weren't even anything close to that in previous years, uh, over the last like four years. No. There was a time in the late trots, or sorry, mid trots era that their their power play was pretty good. Shea Weber days, obviously. Right. Um, but it wasn't even, it wasn't really this good. And it, it didn't have nearly the, the weapons that this one does, which is, what people have been frustrated about, right? I mean, for years, this team has had talent and and skill all over the the top of the roster, 
and yet their power play was bottom five in the league. We're finally seeing it kind of take take a turn, maybe. Yeah, and I think the thing for me, and, and just I've watched a lot of power play in the past several years, and when you when you would complain about or you would see that kind of stale, stagnant power play, what you were seeing a lot of was perimeter passing for the most of the power play and then some shots from the blue line. Um, and I noticed something about the power play during the Ducks game was that there was still a fair amount of perimeter passing, but the difference was these were really quick, crisp, clean passes, and they weren't made just to try to find a new angle. They were really made with the intention of throwing off the other team, getting them out of position. And it was executed so well on the perimeter that when it did get up closer, it made it that much harder to defend. And I, that, to me, that's the biggest difference. I don't, I don't know what you saw if you saw something differently, but that's what stood out to me. Definitely. I see a lot better passing, but I also see, and this is what I wrote about today. I, I, I see better off the puck movement. The guys who don't have the puck are not just standing around. No. When I saw when I watched that, that goal from, from Granland, the whole part, I mean, he scored with like maybe seven, eight seconds left in the power play. No. Um, and it was just, a that was really just a nice individual play by him. But he saw some space and he took it and that's what you got to do. But the whole power play leading up to that was just dynamic passing and guys moving without the puck. You see, when you watch the power play in years past, you see Roman Yossi at the top and you see guys around the outside, but no one switches positions. No one, everyone's afraid to get out of their little zone of comfort. And, and they, they they might come down a little, high, a little low. They might come up a little high just to get the pass from someone and then and then skate around a little bit but when they don't have the puck they're not moving very much i mean you just you you need to move without the puck because you need to create a, a little ang a little better angle for the pass you also need to make that defense think about you if you're just standing there the defense does not have to think about you they know where you are they know exactly how to stop a pass from getting to you but if you move they can't do that as easily and they're rotating guys in and out. I mean, there was a time where Tolvanen had kind of gone into the middle of the ice and maybe gone below the 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 the, the line, below, below the goal line. Um, Granlin was all over the place moving around. You had Johansson in and out. You had Duchesne kind of in his normal area, but he was not afraid to move around. It just was really nice to see the off-puck movement finally doing something. Yeah, it's, it's controlled chaos, I think. And I, I'm really curious, what do you think – what do you think's led to the power play performing this way? And I don't necessarily mean, you know, the results, but I mean what's making the results happen because it seemed very stagnant for a long time with Laviolette and it remained that way under Hines for a while. So what, what do you think's been the difference maker? Like, well, I, I'm curious. I have ideas, uh, but I want to know what you think. Okay, so I, one, one of them is a little bit of a kind of a weird idea. I, I don't know that this is really – I would attribute it to all of this, but – Okay, so when you have one of your best players not either not lineup or not playing well or not not scoring well on the power play, you are forced to have uh, to go to other options. With Philip Forsberg not on the power play, let, let, let me back up a second. The the Predators power play when it was good over the last four years, which was not very often, but when it was good. It was only really good when Philip Forsberg was shooting well. Okay. So it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. So, like, he's a great shooter, and he would get the puck on that right circle and fire a wrister, and he would score a lot. I mean, that happened quite a bit. 
But it's not unlike the Shea Weber thing. Like Shea Weber would take a ton of slap shots on the power play, but like he wasn't necessarily that much more effective than anyone else at, at doing that. I mean, like a lot. He just did it a lot. Philip Forsberg took a lot of power play shots. He took he, he was he was where he basically the offense went through him. So when Philip Forsberg goes down or out of the, out of the lineup, they are forced to come up with other options and forced to move people around. Uh, in addition to that, I think Mikhail Granlund is just like on another level in terms of his playmaking. Same thing with Duchesne. Those two guys playing really well together. Uh, Johansson, you could add him in there. Um, and then Roman Yossi's like a Norris Trophy uh, winning and possible two-time winning uh, defenseman. So all of that combined, I think it just adds up to a lot. What do you think? I was, I was going to say very similar things along the lines of it seemed like everything was kind of fed through Forsberg. When you added Tolvanen okay. last season, you did see a little bit more of a dynamic that created chaos yeah. on the ice because you had options on both sides of the ice. Um, without Forsberg this season, it seems like those responsibilities don't just go to the top of one circle. It's it's coming from anywhere at any given time. And, and as a result, you're seeing more movement. You're seeing more creativity. Uh, I mean, you, that's why I was, I was trying to – Ring the bell to say ding, ding, ding when you said that. Oh. <laughs> but I don't have one here, so I, I thought you were like I thought you were like ordering uh, ordering something on pay per view or something on your remote control. Yeah, my uh, remote control from the eighties. Right, exactly. That's how you do it. Uh, there is one <laughs> player in the NHL that uh, um, can do whatever he wants on the power play and no one gets to say anything, and that's Alex Ovechkin because he's done it like a million times. Right. But even that, even Ovechkin, they, that team scores a lot of power play goals that are not Alex Ovechkin, right? I yeah. mean, like, the, it's the threat of, it's the threat more than it is anything. I mean, he scores a ton of power play goals from that spot. Right. But, like, but, like, they got a ton of other guys that score too. So it, it, you can't be a one attack. You can't have a one weapon approach in the – on the power play, you just can't. And so the, finally, they don't. They finally they have realized that, and finally they have that. Uh, I was actually just looking at the power play goals. They got. Um, let's see, I got it right here. Uh, Duchesne four, Yossi four, Johansson two, Tomasino two. Um, in the past, that power play, you know, goals uh, sort that, that like looking at just the power play goals, it would be like Forsberg six, you know, Yossi. Mike Fisher one. Uh, uh, Yossi from the blue line. Yeah, Craig Smith won. Roman Yossi won. Uh, whoever else you want to name in there. J James Neal, if he was on, when he was on the team, he'd have a few. But like, it was basically just one guy, and now yeah. it's a little bit more balanced. So, well, I think I think you mentioned Ovechkin. You mentioned mentioned the Capitals as well. And I can remember giving the Preds a lot of a lot of crap whenever they played the Capitals, they find themselves on the penalty kill because they would leave Ovechkin wide open. And I'd say to the TV with some extra words added in, you can't leave him alone. But then the reality is there's four other dudes on the ice yeah. they've got to cover. Because if you if you commit resources to, to cover Ovechkin, you're just leaving everybody else wide open and they can get it done as well. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're all skilled. Anyone, anyone in this league can shoot the puck into the open net if you give them enough room, so – um, let's, let's move on from that and talk about Jakob Trenin briefly. And then we'll talk about Ryan Johansson. So Jakob Trenin, I just want to talk about this for a second because that play was awesome. Oh. Uh, oh. and it's so nice to see Trenin just continue from last year, kind of what we saw. 
Uh, I haven't seen as much Jano, but like with the with the two with those two, I mean, I know they're not really playing together right now, but uh, specifically about Jakob Trenin, I think uh, his speed and like size and his just determination on every play is just so much fun to watch, right? Well, you know, it is, and I think it's interesting because the, he that he gets chances like that a lot, where he, you'll see him usually mm-hmm. it ends up with someone in front of him, or he runs out of gas because at the tail end of a of uh you know of something going on down on the other end but um man like that i think you're going to start seeing that happen more he's he's big enough strong enough and i think he's i think he's a good shooter i think that's i think in all of the hype around the the herd line last season that what got overlooked was that uh being big and tough and aggressive wasn't the extent of his skill set and if you know anybody coming from milwaukee should be well-rounded as far as things go so you're not going to bring a player in that's that's been um, under Carl Taylor and expect them to do one thing and one thing only. They should be good at a multitude. And I think that's something you're going to start seeing shining through a lot for him. And he seems to be getting more comfortable uh, with the team. He seems like he's found a comfort level um, in the locker room. Uh, you know, you, you never know exactly what's going on in there. I mean, we, we there's no way we could know exactly how someone's fitting in, in the locker room. But uh, a guy contributes that much and does that much physically – that it, it goes a long way. Like if, if players, players who don't have those physical skills respect it so much more. I mean, like yeah. it, there, there's certain certain guys on the team that just can't do the things that he does physically, like against another skater. And and it's just great to see that he can do that. Uh, speaking of physical skills, Ryan Johansson has a lot of those. And uh, I know you want to talk about Ryan Johansson's the reinvigoration of Mr. Ryan Johansson. What do you want to talk about there? Yeah, and I was going to ask Alex. So while, I'm, while I'm talking about, it, I just thought of this: Is there any way you could bring up the post game clip where Johansson was talking about Trenton while he was sitting right next to him? If uh, I... Yes. Well, okay. I think I have some of it. I, I think I have what you need. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's here's what I wanted to say, and and this this is speaking of of Ryan Johansson going back to the return to play what seems like thousands of years ago, something John Hines said was that when Johansson was a willful skater, not a yeah, willing skater, yeah. but a willful skater, that he's hard to stop or, or something like that. And I think you're seeing this reinvigoration with Johansson. And I, I don't want to say that it comes from playing with these younger guys, but you mm-hmm. certainly see him playing in a different role when he's playing with the younger guys. And I think there's an, an element of, of his character and his personality that, that gets brought out when he is the older brother role or the, you know, the maybe more the mentor role and saying, Hey, look, we can do this and have fun. Um, let's go down the ice and score a nasty goal. Um, and, and what I like the most about, about what you saw <laughs> yesterday was with both of us discussing, you know, did they uh, have Ryan Johansson be the first star because he had to come out as opposed to Trenton coming out due to his, um, you know, his, his limited English proficiency, which I'm an English teacher, so feel comfortable saying that. It's definitely a work in progress, but it's gotten a lot better. But um, I really like the way the dynamic played when they sat next to each other during the interview after the game. And if, if you've got that clip, I think that would be a, a great way to show pro- it. It's still, still processing. processing. We'll, de- we'll definitely show it. it uh, okay. I, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Ryan Johansson's a lot of fun. I mean, like he he is he is probably the most like energetic and fun guy in that whole locker room. Um, but I, the other thing about him, and I almost tweeted this, I decided not to. But uh, 
I don't think there's anyone that like has a bigger difference between their um, mood and attitude after a game, after a win versus after a loss. Ryan Johansson does not want to talk to the media after a loss. He freaking hates it. Like he looks like miserable. But then after a win, he's all he's like this. This is what he's like. I'll play it right now. Consistent, I guess. Right now, feel good. Feel feel fast. Feel like I'm skating really well. And um, you know, for for me, it's always been moving the feet and legs pounding kind of thing, and that usually leads to some space and whatnot. So just want to keep that up. Jack on his goal too. Not only that, but a beautiful play on your goal as well. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Thanks, right? That was a heck of a pass, yeah. Does that say about him? We know how physical he can be, but he's got some offensive skills. Says he played a great game. He's got to do the same thing Wednesday. <laughs> you, to get a couple goals recently, you you feel like you were getting chances earlier in the season they just weren't falling for you? Has anything changed? Yeah, I felt like I always had chances. I just couldn't put it in, and now it's going. So keep it going. <laughs> certain level of animosity between the Predators and the Ducks even after all these years and players coming and going. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually giving Wes a hard time about uh, or they were giving Wes a hard time about a penalty call and he skated by our bench. He's like, a few years ago in the uh, Western Finals, he's like, that wouldn't have been a penalty. And we, had, uh, we had some good battles with those guys and uh, it's always nice to come out on top and, and, and beat them still to today. That's great. Yeah, there's some extra stuff in there too, especially we're talking about the ref. Yeah, I think, I think he's talking about them talking to to the referee and how they uh, were were chatting with the with that um, during the game. So yeah, the, the, he's he's a lot of fun, and I, there there may have been another part where he talks about Jakob Trenin in there. I, I I don't think I got that part, but um, is that? What oh you no, that about? that was it. I mean, he says oh. you know he he it was something like he played an awesome game and he's going to do it again on Wednesday. And yeah. when you cut over to Trenin. You can tell, and, and this is the thing, I've, I've talked to Trenton several times, you can tell that when he's got someone there building him up, he feels yeah. a lot better, he feels a lot more comfortable, a little more loose. I saw him smile in the interview. Yeah. That's not something we see very often. You talk about people fitting in in the locker room. When you have someone, a very jovial, outgoing Johansson, as your wingman, it's going to bring that out of you. It's going to make you feel more comfortable in that room. It's going to make you feel more comfortable on the ice as well. Yeah, I, what you're talking about with Johansson is definitely um, on point because it, it, that's he is that guy in the locker room. You can tell because um, there's other guys too. I mean, he he's brought out he's brought out other guys. Maybe maybe not all in the same way as as Trennan. But like even with like someone like uh, um, Tomasino, you can see that uh, he's definitely he definitely did that with Forsberg. Forsberg prior to his real kind of breakout. Like I mean. Johansson comes, Jofa, that all happens. But like Arvidsson and Forsberg, like the two Swedish guys, uh, definitely benefited from having uh, funny Uncle Joey over there, bringing them out of their shell and giving them this sort of personality and life in addition to a, a great line mate as well. So that you're right. That's it's a really good, interesting way to talk about it. It's a, it's a different level of leadership that you don't, know, don't normally see in a locker room. People talk about leadership and you know who needs to be captain and, every, and everything. I mean, you don't need to give Johansson a, a C or an A on his jersey in order to make that kind of leadership happen. 
No, it's just, it's natural. And I think it just, and like you said, you know, there's no one, there's no one high, as high as he is after win, no one as low as he is after a loss. But then again, that's, that's just emotion. And that's what you're going to get from someone like that. And yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. It, it says, Hey, now's the time we can be happy. We won. Let's be excited about it. We lost. Hey, let's keep, you know, let's uh, keep moving forward and we'll get, get it on the next one. Right. So, all right. We just mentioned Forsberg. So we I wanted to throw this out there. Um, you know, obviously we don't know, have any news yet, but uh, Matthew, uh, Olivier gets sent back to Milwaukee uh, Tuesday. So now there's an open roster spot on the team. There is also one player, Philip Forsberg on IR who is, you know, he's been eligible to come back from IR for a while now. Uh, he has been skating recently uh, so this has led, led to a lot of people thinking it's possible he could come back this week, maybe tomorrow, uh, I'm sorry, today, maybe today, or maybe Friday or maybe Saturday. So, um, that's good to see, right? I I'm encouraged by it. I, I think, you know, knowing he didn't travel on the trip on the, uh, on the road trip kind of let me know that he definitely wasn't going to be playing on Saturday. Uh, mm -hmm. but you know, I figure they come back, they reevaluate. You you look at the game last night; he wasn't out there. You send Olivier back; it's for a reason. One spot open, one guy on IR. I mean, you know, if you're putting all the puzzle pieces together, yeah, it would make sense that that's how it all works out. It would be weird to send Olivier down and not make a corresponding move that same day if that's what you were going to do. If they come back tomorrow and say, "Oh, we've recalled Michael McCarron or or whoever it is," yeah. Uh, Wait, is he already up? Uh, whoever. He's up right now, yeah. Yeah, he's up right now. I guess it would have to be someone else. doesn't matter. But it would be very odd for them to do that. Um, so, yeah, it seems like uh, a return is imminent. By the way, they could also not fill that spot yet. I mean, they, True. they still got enough players to, to field a, a team right. uh, on Wednesday. But I don't know. It, it seems very likely that a return a return is imminent. So sooner rather than later. So there you go. Yeah. Possible Philip Forsberg return to the lineup in the middle of the team, kind of figuring some things out. Obviously last week's stinkers were bad, but uh, you know, you move on from those and uh, the, the predators are still 10, seven and one. Is that right? Is that, do I have that right? 10, seven and one. Let's see. I think yeah, so. 10, seven and one in fourth place, 21 points right now, uh, 21 points in 18 games. You know, you want to be above, above you know one point per game obviously and the big test is um well we always say that you really don't want to look at standings or, or really try to truly evaluate your team until thanksgiving well wow, my hair did a weird thing there uh <laughs> um Need and thanksgiving is <laughs> no product no product for me there's the problem um Thanksgiving is really close. So um, we, we uh, there's only one more game until then. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of know pretty much everything we need to know until then. It's not like it's exact science or anything, but I, I, do you feel like this team is uh, better than you thought it would be at this point? I think I would have said that for a while. Um, okay. I think I'm, I'm more encouraged by the fact that the team has been playing well and performing well without Forsberg then I think I would have if they had just kind of continued on you know kind of playing a little bit below average with, with him gone but um you know I I think when you look at the team you you see a game like 
they're playing the Ducks, and the Ducks are, I'd say, at least record-wise, a fairly comparable team. They're performing very well. It's a close game. It's a hard-fought game, but they come out on top. Um, I want to see games against teams like the Canadians. I want to see them roll that team before I start yeah. feeling. You know, if, if you're coming – again, they talk about trap games. I mean, that was yeah. a trap game right there. I mean, that's a team that's underperforming, coming off of a terrible loss. I mean, they're basically dead in the water. You should go in there yeah. and kick the crap out of them, but it, it yeah. ends up turning around on you. Uh, I want to see the team win those games. When you have what should be an easy win, when I start seeing those turn into easy wins, that's when I feel more confident. What about yeah, you? No, you're right. That that Montreal loss is obviously much worse loss than, than the Toronto one, and, 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 and really in a different category because of the reasons you stated um and so the, the the week ahead you know the, the predators have three well two of the three uh, next games uh because we're you know uh we're we're gonna kind of switch some things around and, and uh, I'm not sure when we're gonna record next we might do Sunday we might do another Tuesday I don't know we'll we'll, we'll figure it out but right now they have Wednesday Wednesday night tonight they have uh Vegas uh that's gonna be a tough game they're always good. Friday, they play New Jersey at home. Then they go on the road to Colorado in a back-to-back, and that is that is terrible. I mean, to play Colorado the first time you play them is a second half of a back-to-back mm. in Denver. Yeah. My God, that's After gonna be tough. A, a night of travel. After a night of travel yeah. to play, yeah. that's just, man, I, I just feel like that's already a loss. But, you know, they could surprise, they could surprise us. Maybe, maybe they play Soros in the second game. They probably Maybe. do that, actually. They probably play Riddick on Friday against New Jersey, and then they probably play Soros on Saturday just to give them a chance, you know? I'm glad I'm glad somebody brought negative Nancy to the party tonight to be real negative about the Colorado game. Whatever, that's fine. I, I, I just, like to be optimistic. The scenario there is not a good one. No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's not a good scenario at all. Um, and I think the thing about Colorado is they've, they've just got so many weapons on the ice yeah. at any given time that – You've got to keep your head on a swivel and playing a game the night before and then having to travel, switching time zones, that's no fun. No one's going to like that. So uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I was making So they don't have – I forgot now – all right, so let me backtrack it just a second because okay. I forgot that Colorado not, doesn't have Nathan McKinnon for for at least the, temp, uh, the time being. Uh, they don't have – their de- their defense has not been quite as good. I mean, their defense is not anything like um, what we had seen. Uh, Bowen Byram, uh, that defenseman, he's on the he's on the IR. Um, so yeah, maybe they're not maybe they're not quite the team. I mean, they're they're below the Na- below Nashville in the standings right now. So that's really something. yeah. Is that a yeah, they, you're not just pulling my leg? No, not they're nine five and one. They have nineteen oh points. Nashville is twenty one. I'm going to look at the standings right now. Yeah. Good gravy. I don't believe it. Well, but you know what? Here's the thing. I'll say this. Um, they've got three three games in hand, too, at the moment. So, you know, higher win percentage. Yeah. That could be, um, they've got a plus 12 differential. The Preds are even. Yeah. So they're, still know, better. they're better than Nashville, but. We'll see what happens. I, I'm I'm definitely here. I think there may be. Do you play Soros against New Jersey to give yourselves the best chance at the win, or do you play mm-hmm. Soros in Colorado to give yourself the best chance at winning that game? 
which is more of a guaranteed win. But then again, wasn't Montreal supposed to be a guaranteed win? Yeah, yeah. New Jersey, New Jersey, and the guaranteed win if Montreal isn't, that's for sure. Right, and and, and Colorado is definitely not a guaranteed win. So, um, <laughs> but I'm excited about this Vegas game. I'm I'm going to be really honest with you here, Alex. I, you know. The thing about Vegas is that they've always been a big team and they've always been a team that plays hard and they can beat you with speed as well. And I, I think that's one of the things about the team as, as it's kind of developed over the past few seasons um, that surprised me is that they've been able to maintain their size and heavy hitting uh, game while also adding speed. And so I'm very curious to see how this game plays out because the Predators are kind of trying to do the same thing. They've got a lot more size than they usually do. And I'm excited to see uh, see what kind of hits and speed we're going to see break out of this. And I'm, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I'm really looking forward to this one more than any of the others on the agenda this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Vegas is always tough. I, I, it's a good test for the Predators coming off a, a nice win uh, over Anaheim. And I think Anaheim is ahead of Vegas in the standings, if I remember correctly. Have to look uh, again. Yeah, right there. They're, they're right neck and neck. Look at yeah. that. Five sure points. are. 526 uh, point percentage, both of them. So good good test coming off the Anaheim win. That, that You're right. That's a good point. Uh, they're they're going to be tough to win or tough to beat. Good test for them. Um, uh, New Jersey, I just don't know what to expect there. But, color, yeah, the Colorado back-to-back with New Jersey is going to be tough too. So tough week. We'll see how it shakes out for the Predators. Any final thoughts from you before we wrap things up? Are you are you covering the? Are you going to be there in person tonight? I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be at there against Vegas. I'm not going to be there uh, on Friday either. Okay. Well, I'm I'm basically out this week. I've got too much family stuff going on with Thanksgiving. Well, it it is Thanksgiving. I mean, that's. I just didn't know. I I won't be covering the games that I may be at the game tonight. Um, Okay. Pretty jazzed up about getting the chance to see it from the stands. Um, (laughs) You know. there's always the part of you when you're up in the booth that you're like, well, you know, I do enjoy watching this team play hockey. I just can't show them. So, yeah, It'd be good well, to show I, it. I, I think I'm hoping to be there at the, the, in the in the coming weeks. It's just been the last few weeks for me have been really rough in terms of getting out of the house and then having to go on various trips for things. And it's just, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad to I'll be glad to get back to routine in yeah. December. I think, so. That's that's uh, that's that's mostly what I've got going on. Those are my thoughts. I'm excited about yeah. Vegas. Curious to see how Colorado's going to turn out. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay, well you can check out all of our hockey coverage at azsportsnational.com. Also go to ontheforecheck.com as well. Read Sean and everyone over there. Follow me on Twitter at alexdarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at scsotf. And we will see you next week.